Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you would be open your Bibles to 1 John, the fourth chapter, as we continue our series tonight of loving relationships and having them to be lasting loving relationships. And that's what we want. That's what produces a, a life that is worth living. That's ultimately the most important things in our life are the relationships that we share with God and then how we share those relationships with others. It is a wonderful, wonderful week and a wonderful time. The fireproofing sessions have gotten off to such a great start. Will you please be prayerful about that? Let's make sure that, that we strive to grow during that time, that these six weeks will be a time that our relationships with each other grow stronger. Do keep in mind still the need for those that would help take care of children on Monday and Tuesday evenings from 6.30 to 8. That's a huge help. Keep in mind the prayer request forms that are out in the foyer. Uh, be sure and complete that. What would you like for the congregation to be praying about on your behalf? And also uh, be mindful. And then in Thanksgiving, uh, be prayerful. Uh, our young men, are they really have probably just finished conducting the service at Gladeville this afternoon, that 5 o'clock service that they have on Sunday afternoon. And uh, we are blessed to have young men that want to serve God. They want to serve God now. Uh, we make a terrible mistake when we think that our youth are the church of tomorrow. They want to be the church of today. And we're thankful that they are doing that. We're thankful that we have parents that support and encourage them in that. We're thankful Jeff Brown uh, works with them uh, constantly in that area and provides wonderful opportunities for them throughout Middle Tennessee uh, to speak. Do keep in mind, if you are at the fireproofing session in Gladeville, be listening for an announcement. We may be moving that to another location. We got till Thursday night. Just be aware of that. And if you're thinking about jumping this week from one to another out of convenience, beware of the fact. Make a call to the building before you do that because we need to make sure uh, where we're going to be in Gladeville on Thursday evening. Do keep in mind uh, the special contribution. There, the plate will be passed twice Sunday morning. And so the second time that it will be passed will be in, uh, for the offering of the second contribution that will be for the educational wing. So be sure and be thinking about what we can do together with God. And let's be prayerful about that. Let's give God our all in everything that we do. And that's something that we want to be a great success. That will help us and it will help generations to come. When I think of Roger Bannister, it's interesting that many of you immediately know that he was the one in the 40s that was the first human to ever break, at least on record, the four-minute mile. What was interesting was the fact that not only did he break a record, that he broke literally through a barrier. You see, the record that he broke had been set for nine years. And during those nine years, as so many individuals tried to, bro tried to break not only that record, but break through the four-minute mile... Finally, the conclusion came and was spoken of often, it's impossible. No human being could ever run a mile faster than four minutes. And what was interesting was that that mindset apparently kicked in. And so for nine years, people believed it couldn't be done. Oh yes, there were runners that tried, but apparently the overall consensus was that it couldn't be done. And finally, one day, he did it. And what was interesting was once he did Forty-six days later, an Australian even broke his record. And it was like a snowball effect. And since then, there have been many runners that have broken the four-minute mile hundreds of times in their individual life. 
Isn't it interesting that sometime when we've never seen something, it's very difficult for us to live it out? When you think about relationships and you think about the love that God is offering to you, but have you really seen, accepted, and received that love? Put that thought on hold for a moment. If someone has not, but yet they go into relationships on this earth with co-workers, friends, neighbors, siblings, parent, child, spouses, uncles, aunts, whoever it may be, and they struggle in these relationships. It's almost as if they're in the dark. Oh, they want to love. They want to be loved. But it seems like they or the others continually sabotage the relationship when it just starts to go good. Why do you think some experience that? Couldn't it be that same thing that it's hard for us to live out something that we've never seen? Friends, tonight we may be talking about something that we have just always understood or it may be that you've never thought about it this way. But I ask you tonight, will you consider the fact that you and I truly do not know how to love others until we have seen the love of God. Once we see that, we can break through barriers. And by the love of God in our life, we can do things in relationships that maybe have never been done before in our life. There may be someone here tonight that says, you know what, every relationship I have, eventually, eventually it goes sour. Eventually, there's, there's fights. Eventually, there's heartache. How about tonight? Learning about a relationship that can be awesome because it's from God and He's always faithful. And learning what He does in love will teach us how to turn around and share that with others. We can't live the other person's life, but we can determine how we're going to love And we can determine how we're going to receive the love of God. With that in mind, we go to a book of love, 1 John. You remember John was the apostle. As a matter of fact, he is remembered in such a great way of appreciation that let's do a little exercise here. If your name is John, will you hold up your hand? If your name is John, keep your hands up if you will. Keep your hands up. Okay, now look at all these hands. I wish you could see from my view. Hands in every section. All right, now, if you are related to a John, keep your hands up. If you are related to a John, hold your hands up. Now look around. If you know someone named John, put your hand up. Now look at that. Now let me ask you something. How is it that 2,000 years down the road, we know so many Johns? It's because that is a name that is associated with a man who loved. He knew the love of God and he knew how to love like God loved. He knew how to write about the love that God had. And friends, it's, it's not something to take lightly that, that over these couple of thousand years, we still love the name John. When people think of your name, Do they think about the relationship that you share with them and immediately they think, I love their name just because they love the way you share in relationships? Well, what is it that this guy named John that loved Jesus dearly, loved to receive the love of God, 
Love to love others. As a matter of fact, when we look in the pages, it is amazing how he writes and, and calls them his little children. If you have your Bible open, look at 1 John, the, the, the second chapter, look in verse 1. He begins there by saying, my little children. Later, he would call them his dear children. Another time in the third chapter, he again would address them as his little children. Now, if you will, drop down and let's read verse 7 and 8 of the fourth chapter. 1 John 4, look at 7 and 8 as we see here that John is leading us to believe that beside needing to give love, all of us need to first be loved. Notice how in verse 7 and 8, as we read this, I would ask you to count in your mind how many times he uses the word love. We're going to read two verses. Count in your mind how many times. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Five times he uses the word agape there. And, and at the beginning of that, he is telling us, Hey, I want to talk to you about how you treat each other. Agape is a commitment, it is, is a decision, it is a love that moves us into action. And so he's literally saying here, I want to talk to you about how you treat each other. But notice he calls that love, but then he says, the way I want you to treat each other is of God. I want to talk to you the way you treat each other, is it from God? That's the question that he's teaching here. Everyone who loves is born of God, knows God. Now notice this in verse 8. If you do not love, you do not know God. And the love that he's talking about here, again, it's not, well, I have this emotion towards someone. He's saying, no, no, no. I want to know, do you agape others? Are you from God? You're either born of God or you're not. And one way you can know is do you agape others? As we think about this, I'd like for you to think with me tonight as we work through this passage here and. First uh, John, the fourth chapter, here beginning at verse 7, we'll work through this paragraph. And I'd like for you to think of some basic principles as they tie into love. The first one is this. When people have profound experiences, they want to share them. You ever notice that? You get excited about something, you, you experience something, and it's absolutely wonderful. You can't wait to tell somebody else. Because of... Uh, some reminiscing we were doing the other night. I was thinking about something that I had not thought of in about 20 years. And I was, I was thinking about, you're going to get a kick out of this, one semester in school that I made some really, really good grades. And, uh, and, and I had been, I'd been real active. Uh, I owned a landscaping business in Nashville and did work study during the week and preached on Sundays in Hickman County and uh, was a club officer most of those years. And so finally... The year I was getting married, which I would have one more year in school, Tracy and I would be married. I, the semester before that, I thought, all right, I, I was making that transformation from single life, getting ready for married life. So I stopped being a club officer, sold my business in Nashville, quit preaching in Hickman County and picked up a little church uh, there close to Henderson. And so that, at the beginning of school, it kind of dawned on me. It's like, wow, this will be the first time I'm, I'm just a college student. And so I told my roommates, you know, after you live with them that long, they're like family. I said, hey, you're not going to believe the grades I'm going to pull this semester. And they're like, what's up with that? I said, i got time to study. I said, this is going to be really fun. And so, so I had a great time studying that semester. And I remember going to the mailbox 
uh, and, and I got my mail, and I'm flipping through it, walking across the commons, and I knew what was in that envelope. And I paused there in the commons, and I pulled it out, and, I, and I'd gotten the goal that I'd set for myself, you know. And I was like that fist pump. I was so excited. But you know immediately what I did? I started looking around. I got to tell somebody what I did. I mean, I've been in college now for three and a half years, and finally I did what I've been wanting to do. And so I didn't see anybody. So I, I get in a jog back to the dorm, walk in the dorm room, and it was like a dream come true. All my buddies were in the dorm room. I stood up on the bed, I held my grades up, and I made the announcement. Now, I don't know which one was better, making the grades or being able to make the announcement. I mean, they kind of go hand in hand. When something great happens in our life, we want to tell others about it. Do you realize in the paragraph we just started, as we read through it, you're going to see, you're going to see that that is what the love of God is all about. We have really messed up understanding the love of God if we think it's something that we receive that's not to be shared with every relationship that we share in. And so this brings us to a second principle. And that is just this, receiving God's love is a profound experience. Let's read about this as we drop down to the ninth verse. First John, the fourth chapter. Look what he teaches us in 9, 10, and 11 about this profound experience where we come to know God and we come to understand his love and how that translates in our life to sharing it with others. In verse 9 he says, in this... The love of God was manifested toward us. So there was something that God did. The word manifest means to show. That showed us God's love. So let's read on. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. That was the event where God says, you look at that event and you're going to see, I am showing you that I love you. And it was when He sent His Son. Verse 10, in this, talking about sending His Son, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now here's the conclusion to this paragraph. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. What was he saying in those three verses? He's saying, God's saying, I want to demonstrate. I want to manifest to you my love. Did you see that? I sent my Son. Not that you love me first. I didn't do it because of what you did for me. He said, I acted first. I sent my son. Now because of that, notice that conclusion 11. If God so loved us, if that's the way God loved us, now we ought to love others. How is it that God loved us in that? I mean, I know that he sent his son, but how does that translate to us? We go to work tomorrow. How are you going to treat someone differently because now you know the love of God than maybe your coworker that doesn't know the love of God? What's going to be the difference in the two of us? Let's look back, if you will, to Romans. In the book of Romans, I'd, I'd like for us to drop back to the fifth chapter. Romans, the fifth chapter. There's a neat paragraph beginning in verse 6 that describes God demonstrating His love to us by sending Jesus, and we get a little more insight of what that costs God and what it teaches us. Romans, the fifth chapter, look in verse six. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, notice our condition. We were without strength, but 
God served us. All right, we read on. Drop down if you went out of verse 8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us. Here's that teaching again. God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now skip down to 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Do you see the point that if we could just use the expression, God is just hammering away at it. He says, when you could not help yourself, you were without strength. I did the ultimate. I sent my son. When you were sinners, in other words, God's saying, there, you're the one that's wrong. Now, now think about this application. How many times do we mistreat somebody, and then when somebody addresses us and say, why did you do that to them? They say, did you see what they did to me? Do you see what Jesus is teaching us here? Do you see what God is teaching us? Are we going to love like God loved? How did God love? Friends, when we talk about God's love being unconditional, this is what it's about. When we are without strength, when we are sinners, we're the ones that's wrong. When we are enemies, we are the ones on the other side. God says, I'm going to give you my very best when you are in that situation. Now, let's bring that home to our relationships. Tomorrow, someone at work, a neighbor next door, someone in your family, they've done wrong, sinner. And that decision they made has left them without strength. Now they're weak, implying they need someone to serve them. And maybe what they've done wrong has even hurt you. They have become your enemy. What kind of love will you show them? Keep in mind, if we've never truly understood and received the love of God, we will not be able to show the love of God in that situation. You might do something for them that's an act of service. You might offer forgiveness toward them. And you may have a family member, you may have a friend, you may have a co-worker that comes up and says, why in the world did you do that? That made no sense. And your answer, if you care to explain it to them, would be, I only did it because God first loved me. That's how John says it. If I'm going to learn to have lasting, loving relationships, I have to have this profound experience of God's love and then be willing to show it to others. As we go back to our text, be turning back, if you will, to 1 John, the fourth chapter, and let's add another principle here. And that is those living close to God find their love for others increasing. The closer we draw to God, the better we ought to know how to love others. Notice how this is taught with the word perfect or completeness in verse 16 and 17 of the fourth chapter. And we have known and believed, this is 1 John 4, 16 and 17, we have known, notice that word, known, in other words, we had to learn something And then we also had to believe in something. We have known and believed what? The love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Now that's interesting, isn't it? If we abide in God, 
We abide in in love. We abide in God. So now the question is, is God's love homeless my life? Have I moved into God's love or have I abandoned it? And so as we read on in 17, notice the word perfected here. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. God's love perfects us. The word there, the idea is also completes us. The more we love God, the more we're drawn to His love, the more we return that and reflect it to others, literally the more we love. I can just imagine the son of thunder here as a young man, no doubt he loved God and no doubt he loved others. But now when you read his writings in 1 John and 2 John and 3 John, there's something clear. This man has matured in love. And that really, that's a showstopper. That's something that we have to say, wait a minute. What does that mean to mature in love? How many of us here, not asking for a show of hands, but how many of us can say, I can look back 10 years ago and I can see that how when someone was, quote, unlovable, I can see how I wouldn't treat them then the same as I would now. I can see now how I've grown in unconditional love. I can see now how I've grown in sacrificial love. How much love do we display when someone has harmed us and to love them is still going to cost us more? That's the love of God. That's what makes relationships last. Whenever a spouse can look over to a spouse that has just hurt them and instead of getting back at them, they can serve them. They can forgive them. That is maturing love. When brothers and sisters can mend disagreements that have been going on for years, that is maturing love. If you would notice this fourth principle, and it comes out of verse 18, it's probably the most challenging thing we'll study tonight, and that is love eliminates fear. The very next verse he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect, that's that complete love, cast out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. When we know that we've received the love of God, we know that completes us. And then what happens is we're not fearful of whether or not you're accepted by others. How oftentimes do we fear disappointment in and of others? How many times do we fear rejection of others? How many times do we fear because we believe that we're in a competition with others? And so that breeds jealousy and discontentment. When we recognize that all that matters is that we're accepted of God. And when we receive that, we reflect that love with everyone. We owe everyone that kind of love, Romans the 13th chapter. And once we give the love of God to others, when we can then say, let the chips fall where they may, I don't fear. Can you imagine how much easier high school would be? 
if you never feared what anybody thought about you? Oh, but it's not just high school. Can you imagine how easy your life would be? If in your neighborhood, if in your workplace, if among your friends, you didn't fear what everyone thought? You didn't fear disappointment? You simply loved with the love of God. Friends, that's the goal that's laid out. We're not talking about some mark that's, that's a fantasy world. That's what God's laying out here. He's saying that kind of love knows no fear. And then we conclude it with that reminder that we've been touching on through every one of these points. And that is again mentioned in verse 19. And we love because He first loved us. Look at 19. It's that simple. We love Him because He first loved us. Friends, we don't know this kind of love without God. It's like that illustration of that four-minute mile. Was it really the fact that so many people believed it couldn't happen, it couldn't happen, and then finally when Bannister runs through that four-minute mile, now there's a lot of other people say, I can do that. And the following days and months and years later, they did. Friends, we're talking about something no one here will do unless we first receive it from God. We love that way because He first loved us that way. We won't learn this type of love at work. We won't learn this type of love on the streets, in our neighborhood. What we're talking about tonight, the only way we'll ever learn it is to draw near to God. Have you done that? Are you His child? Adopted into His family? How do we do that? Believe that He is the Son of God. Be willing to repent of sins and to turn toward Him. Not ashamed of Him, confessing Him before others and being baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. We come out of that water as a child of His, loved by Him and ready to share that love with others. If along the way, you've lost the way of that love, maybe there is a distance between you and God because of your sin. Maybe there is pain in some of the relationships because of decisions that you've made that have not reflected the love of God. Tonight, let's all be prayerful. Let's all meditate. Let's all be diligent to say, I truly want the love of God lived out in every relationship I share in. If we can help you tonight in any way, come as we stand.